Hi, this is Rosie, and welcome to another episode of What Does Your Family Look Like? In this episode, Sharon gives us her perspective on what life is like in the ED. Her compassion for her patients really shines through. Let's see what she has to say. So I've seen you on some afternoons when you come home. And I've said, how are you? I usually say, how was the day? How was your work day? Did you fix a bunch of people? And um, there have been times where you were like, it was really rough. Yeah. And I'm like, do you want to talk about it? And what makes it so rough? What yeah. makes it rough? I'm uh, People dying, of course. Yeah. Makes it rough. I think the hardest days are the days when people come in and – Everyone says these are like the hardest cases. So people come in sometimes and they're already in cardiac arrest. Already their heart's not beating. Already they're, Mm. um, you know, they're very, very sick. They're not able to communicate. The hardest cases are the cases where people come in and they're talking to you Mm -hmm. and something changes where they get very critically ill. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we're able to predict those situations. The hardest ones are the ones that we're not able to predict when someone gets really sick Mm -hmm. quickly Mm -hmm. um, is I think oftentimes the hardest, especially, you know, when you get to know them a little bit and and then something tragic happens, Mm -hmm. I think is one of the hardest situations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I've learned over the years that I almost never, again, some exceptions, tell people you're going to be fine. Patients ask that sometimes. Am I going to be okay? Am I going to live? I never. Oh my gosh. That's so hard. (laughs) I've, yeah, I've had some situations where I've told people they're going to be fine and then they weren't fine. And it's very hard. Like, it's hard for me to backtrack on those words, particularly also with family. I was just going to say, you told me they'd be fine. And And it's, so I tell people we're going to take really good care of you. And Mm -hmm. that's a, I don't want to freak listeners out. So I don't want you to freak out. Like if you go to the emergency department and they tell you, you're going to take good care of you. It's like, Oh, they tell you they're going to take really good care of you. Like that. The thing I say to everyone and everyone practices differently is we're going to take really good care of you. Um, but I rarely offer a blanket statement. Like everything is going to be fine. Right. Because I've seen things that haven't been fine. Those are really hard situations. Yeah. And then, you know, there's also situations where generally everyone is very collegial in the medical mm-hmm. field, mm-hmm. but, and you probably see this on medical shows, or maybe they don't show this on medical shows sometimes. We all don't get along. Uh, oh, yeah, we see that. <laughs> we see that a lot. And there's lots of sex in rooms that uh, are, um, you know, supply rooms. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Okay. No, no <laughs> that, I mean, I'm sure it happens. There's definitely some some gossip that goes down. I know of one s- situation amongst my colleagues where something like that has happened, but there's probably been others that I've not known of. Right. Um, and I just, yeah. <laughs> Are you a good compartmentalizer? Does that, yeah. do you think, does that I help mean, you with being able to like, okay, that's there, and that yeah. was a lot of trauma, and I'm going to go home now, and I can't carry that with I me. I mean, you you sort you have to be a lot of times, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely times that it's hard to do that. Mm-hmm. You get home, like it's been a hard day. Like, like I was saying, so sometimes we don't get along, and I think some of the most frustrating days are when you have an altercation with like 
another physician mm-hmm. or a resident. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say we're just here to take good care of patients and try and bring it back to that. And as years have gone on, I've gotten so much better at that. Mm-hmm. I say it's like the, my your mom brain or like my mom voice. Right, like right, right. when patients yell at me now, I'm like, that is an unacceptable way to talk to us. And before, good for, good for you. <laughs> and before for you. I would be like, oh my goodness, what do I do? You know, so as life goes on and as stuff happens, you learn like how to advocate for yourself, how to advocate for your patients. Right. You know, I think definitely with time, those things get easier and better. Right. Um, but I try and come, I try and definitely separate things um, that happen at work. And that's one of the good things about shift work. Right. You know, you come home and it's your job doesn't frequently follow, follow you. You. Okay. you know, I'm not having patients call me. Or send me messages in my inbox or, um, you know, so for the most part, we're, I think we're pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. Um, We've learned over the years, though, in medicine, particularly in emergency medicine, but in medicine in general, we didn't let ourselves feel things for years and years. No one ever talked about it. Right. No one ever talked about like, you know, this kind of like secondary trauma that you get from your job. Mm -hmm. And then we're talking about it more and it's so good. And I tell my learners and my students all the time, like how good is it that we talk about wellness, that like we're able to admit like that things are hard, that we're right. like stressed and sad and right. so much better for our mental state than absolutely, just, absolutely. Than bottling just it up, putting it all in and pretending it, it doesn't exist. And then it comes out yes. later in other yes. ways. And you're like, <laughs> what was that about? Yeah. Years ago when I was a kid, which is a long time ago, I, I, they didn't talk about bedside manner in med school. Mm-hmm. Right. Has that changed? Did they talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. We definitely do talk to our students about it. There are many students would sometimes probably say too many standardized patient exercises, which is when there are kind of there are people who are generally actors and actresses who mm-hmm. portray patients. Oh, and really? they take Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they take their role very, very seriously and are very proud of, like, the education that they do for the learners. Wow. Um, so oftentimes it sort of is embedded within a medical case where there's a dual knowledge process that's happening. So your goal is to, like, talk about the interaction and, like, the interpersonal interaction and how that felt to them as patients. Okay. And then on the flip side, there's oftentimes a medical case that goes along with it because we don't exist, like, in a bubble where we just have to know how to talk to people. We have to know how to talk to people about medicine. Right. Um, So there's a medical case usually embedded within there or and the feedback is given in both of those areas. So both on the medical stuff and then also on the interpersonal stuff okay yeah okay so okay yeah so you're evaluated for both medical and interpersonal yes I get that. yes okay. and then we also we you know we pay attention to it when indirect like when students are seeing patients we also mm-hmm. can kind of see how they are with patients with their family members um and right. that's not just in the emergency department but on every rotation you can kind of see those things right i mean as a patient you need your doctor to be a great practitioner yeah but you also need some kindness and yeah absolutely and absolutely it's very hard um you know sometimes to balance those things especially when people are really really sick right right you know you want to be good to them and like involve them in their care 
Um, but on the other hand, you know, we also need to save their lives. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> now it's a daunting job that you have. I, I don't, yeah, my hat is up to you. That's I don't very know kind. how. It's just a job. Eventually it, it just, just becomes a job. Because a job. <laughs> it's life and death. I mean, like, yeah. uh, it's life and death. I know. Some you days know? I'm like, I wish I had a job where I could just, where like the decisions I made didn't influence outcomes in people's lives. It takes a certain person to be able to have that kind of confidence to know that, you know, what I am doing in life as my profession greatly affects somebody else's life I mean yeah and I mean that's a majority of our patients actually aren't super duper sick um but they're always generally like concerned about something that they're feeling that they're having that they're going through uh so it's our job really to care for them in like a non-judgmental way and I, I like to think even though you know I we don't go into emergency medicine for like thank you notes, right? Like no one's bringing me a Christmas gift <laughs> right, or a right, Christmas card. Right, and that's kind of right, the flip side right. of, of the job. Right. Uh, but I like to think that, again, the small things, the small ways you talk to people mm-hmm. and interact with them, the resources that you can give them, mm-hmm. acknowledging that what they're feeling is what they're feeling, right? Mm-hmm. And that they're, you know, they're not right. imagining it or making it up. Like all of those small things can really make a difference. We see a lot of people who have nothing, like who don't have a place to live, who are, are, use substances. Um, and being, again, like a non-judgmental place for them mm-hmm. is something that we all really pride ourselves on. And That's good. Yeah. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. That, I, I would imagine that's come a long way from what it used to be. It has. Yeah. Yeah. It really, really has. I don't understand how you can work efficiently and be sleep deprived. How yeah. does that work? I mean, you're up when you're in residency, you're up how many yeah. hours straight? Like, Depends. <laughs> now there's laws that's or rules technically that say you're only allowed to be up for 30 hours straight, which oh, is still a lot. Only 30? <laughs> and you're you're curing people and yeah. diagnosing and you get really good at sleeping uh wherever you there's wherever a bed. You um you know, I would in the beginning of the year, you're really nervous. So mm-hmm. like as when you start, generally you're really nervous. So you are up a lot because like you're- You have you, adrenaline energy. I guess you, that's, yeah, I guess so. Um, And then as the year goes on and you get more comfortable with your nurses, you always want to make friends with your nurses. Right. Always, always. Right. Uh, they're your allies, your helpers. They're the people that see the patient the most. It's very important that we listen to our nurses. Um. And you, like, they would call me, and I think I was reasonably well-liked, and they would trust me, and, like, they would call me, and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to deal with this. And then I would fall back asleep immediately, and then they would call (laughs) me back, like, an hour later. Um, You know, I learned that you learn over the years that small, like, things can make a difference. Like, I will never forget there was a resident who – in that I was also on another ICU rotation. I was so tired because as an intern, you're the one who's like expected to do the admissions and put in all the orders. Like a lot of it falls on you. And then mm-hmm. your resident like supervises you. Mm-hmm. And he admitted a patient for me. Mm-hmm. And it was like the nicest thing ever. So I slept for like three hours straight. And Aww. it's like the small things right. really like ma- make a difference. Right. Um, but yeah, I would like 
wake up, look at a lab, and if it was normal and I didn't have to do anything, I would fall back asleep within like minutes. That's amazing. Are you yeah. still like that? Can you still? No, not at all. Well, not you, at you all. Have kids and yeah, I lost that talent, unfortunately. Oh. I know. That's, it's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. <laughs> it's a shame. Then I could sleep where, like, wherever, wherever. It was a treat. That's amazing. A, like a blessing and a curse all at the same time because right. I had to sleep a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. You just sort of like get good at making your brain work in that way. Right. I guess. I don't know. Um, you know, there were definitely times that I was really tired. That one time I drove home with a pager and now everyone's like, like it doesn't matter now because it's all on your phone and right. whatever. Um, but then it was like a physical pager and I was post night shift and I realized I had it with me because it started going off on my drive home and I was like five minutes from home. You're like, I started crying hysterically. <laughs> and no, I can't do one more minute. I remember. I think it must have been a Saturday or a Sunday because Josh was home. And I was like, I need you to bring this back. And he was like, what do I do if it goes off? I was like, "Who? just drive. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I was like, I can't. I could not physically drive back. Like, that's the point where, like, you're so tired. Like, wow. you're physically exhausted. Right. Like, mentally exhausted. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah. yeah. And now you come home and you have kids to deal with. <laughs> yes. Huh. Yes. Yes. There's a, sometimes days I'm like, I need people to not complain to me for <laughs> a few hours, right. just for a little bit. Don't Are, complain. What would be your recommendation for? <laughs> because I think a, a lot of us, you know, will have pain, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, what is it? And they'll ignore it. It's nothing. Or then you have the other extreme, right, where, like, you have a pain and you run right to the doctor. Yeah. So. First. Like, when should people go to the ED? Yeah. When when should people, like, after experiencing pain for a certain yeah. amount of time, when should they stop ignoring it? Yeah. You know? Uh, you know, people are like, I don't want to be a pain to my doctor. I don't want to sound like a hypochondriac. Yeah. What well, do you think? You have a primary care doctor for a reason, right? Right. And I think... I think there's no perfect answer here, right? Because everyone experiences pain and symptoms differently. Mm -hmm. You know, I think if you, like, the big, like, if you're, like, over a longer period of time, if you're having pain and you're, like, losing weight, you have night sweats, you aren't able to eat or drink anything, like, there's definitely mm -hmm. concerning symptoms mm -hmm. that sort of go along with worrisome diagnoses. Um, one thing that people a lot of times come to the ED for is like, I've had this pain and it's been worked up by like seven specialists and no one can figure out what it is. It's rare that we're going to be able to figure out what right. that is. That in right. the ED. Like that's, right. that's not our specialty. Right. They're just um, so frustrated. They're frustrated. And you know, I could see that perspective too, to a certain right. extent, but it's always helpful to have realistic expectations <laughs> when you go to the ED. <laughs> I think if it's something that is like limiting your ability to, to do your, to live your life, that's, right. you should get it checked out. Um, yeah. Whether that be with your primary care doctor yeah. or the emergency department, I right. think is variable. There's because, really not a perfect answer there. Right. The yeah. last thing you want is for some doctor to say, well, if you would have come in here three months ago, sure. we would have been able to sure. take care of it. Yeah. 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 So. And yeah, I mean, you call your doctor and you, you're having chest pain. And the first thing that that little message says if you were having chest pain, hang up the phone and call 911, <laughs> right? So it's like... <laughs> I'm calling my eye doctor. I don't have chest pain. <laughs> yes. 
From sleep deprivation as a resident, to dealing with critically ill patients, to managing interpersonal relationships with her colleagues. If I had to pick a word to describe Sharon, I would say she is very resilient. I'm thinking that all the years of training and working in the ED helped her cope during COVID, even though there was no real preparation for dealing with the pandemic. We will delve into that in the next episode. Till then. Please like and subscribe and follow us on all social media at WDYFLL, the podcast.